good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. So today we're talking about calling yourself home. Your and self are two separate words, and self is capitalized, just in case you didn't know that. I am not the family, my thing, the things my family did. I am not the voices in my head. I am not the pieces of the brokenness inside. I'm not the mistakes that I have made or any of the things that caused me pain. I am not the pieces of the dream I left behind. These lyrics call us to turn, from, or turn away from what was or what might have been and to be where we are and who we are right now. Now, it calls us to be in now, the now. So how many of you have read a book, taken a seminar or a class or some sort of formal kind of uh, um, mindfulness practice? How many of you have done that? Has it worked for you? Has, has it worked for you being present at every moment of the day? <laughs> has it helped your life become more effective, though? Maybe it has. Or have you found yourself working so hard at it that you lose focus altogether? And I ask this because that's my experience. You know, it's one thing to practice releasing the past and quite another to live completely in the present all the time. And when I have tried to become totally present all the time, I put too much pressure on myself, and it just all falls apart. <laughs> For example, after reading that Eckhart Tolle is able to plan a trip by staying completely in the now, I was completely flummoxed. Because I thought, how can you plan to go somewhere without checking it out mentally first? How, come you, how can you not like, go there, right? And, and it, and, isn't planning the trip and imagining what it's going to be like half the fun, right? Getting there is half the fun. In fact, research shows that people actually enjoy planning a vacation more than they enjoy being on vacation. <laughs> it's a real study. So I tried, I tried to walk through planning a theoretical trip, and I had a great trip in my head, and then I thought, well, I wasn't trying hard enough to be present to my life, so I soldiered on. And, you know, and trying to be present at all times. And are you exhausted hearing this? Because I was exhausted trying to do it. So there was this day when I was in Chipotle, and I was in a hurry. I had to come over here for some magical meeting. And um, they were very busy, of course, short-staffed. Perfect storm. And I have to say that this particular event probably knocked some sense into me. And it was so to keep myself from becoming anxious and fidgety, because I knew everybody was doing the best they could, I decided to be present. 
And I found myself, well, first of all, you know, in, if you've been in Chipotle, they've got that kind of wall that goes between the people and the, and, the, and the tables when you're making a line. So I found myself tapping on that going, I am here now. This is, this is me, here now. I'm here now. And then when I got over to the wall, I was tapping the wall going, I'm here, I'm here. And I thought, oh, I'm nowing. I am nowing. <laughs> it did keep me from being anxious, mostly because I was laughing at myself. You know, it was pretty silly. And uh, that got me to thinking a little bit more about it, and I realized I didn't really understand what I was meant to do, or that, or maybe I still was trying too, so hard, trying too hard. And of course, I knew it was probably both. Now, I am not mocking formal mindfulness practices. They are very valuable, and a lot of people get benefit from them. I'm not one of the people who gets a lot of benefit from really formal practices. So, so just, you know, so I have to find another way. And so there just something wasn't resonating with what I was reading. And so I had to discover what it was I didn't understand. Because one of the most important steps in any spiritual practice or investigation is to realize what that practice means to you. I can stand up here all day and talk about stuff, but if you don't resonate with the words, it's not useful to you. You know, each of us has our own interpretation and response to every single word we hear. And it's very important that we take time to witness how we are processing a certain idea. As an interfaith community, we're aware of the many similarities between our teachings and other communities. And we say essentially the same thing, right? With only we use different words and different symbols. And it's such a beautiful thing when we understand that even within our own system here, different words and ideas will strike us differently. And I know that some of you do re relate to that mindful, mindfulness concept just exactly the way it's usually taught. And again, I just, it, I wasn't getting there. So whatever that teach, the teaching is, it has to make sense. It, you just can't use it. I mean, what, what do we do? Most of our lives, what we're doing is we're making sense of things. I wake up in the morning, I make sense of the fact, oh, it's morning. So we're always making sense of things. And we talk now a lot about how distracted we are in this culture of electronic devices and unrest in the world and things like pandemics and forest fires. And sometimes we beat ourselves up for not being better at, at staying present. The good news is, hey, it's not our fault. <laughs> it's not. Carl Jung, in, in Man and His Symbols, tells us it's not our fault. He's mostly concerned with dreams in this book, but he's also talking about you know, how our, our unconscious works. And the following two quotes will help get us uh, uh, farther into this. He says, Beyond doubt, even what we call a high level of civilization, human consciousness has not yet achieved a reasonable degree of continuity. See? <laughs> It is still vulnerable and liable to fragmentation. This capacity to isolate a part of one's mind indeed is a valuable characteristic. It enables us to concentrate upon one thing at a time, excluding everything else that may claim our attention. And so the other, you know, so this is good news because it's even without all those distractions, external distractions, our minds will still wander. That's just how we are built. That should take the pressure off, right? And then he says, let us look 
now a little more closely at the ways in which the conscious and unconscious contents of our minds are linked. Take an example which is, everyone is familiar with. Suddenly, you can't remember what you were going to say next, <laughs> though a moment ago the thought was perfectly clear. Or perhaps you were about to introduce a friend and his name escapes you as you were about to utter it. You say you can't remember. In fact, though, the thought has become unconscious, at least momentarily separated from consciousness. This is the really cool part. He says, we find the same phenomenon with our senses. If we listen to a continuous note on, a fr on the fringe of audibility, the sound seems to stop at regular intervals and then start again. Such oscillations are due to a periodic decrease and increase in one's attention, not to any change in the note. In other words, we're naturally in and out of focus. And isn't oscillations the perfect word for that? He wrote this a long time ago, you know? I mean, well, he's not around, so yes, it was a very long time ago. Now, the idea for this talk came from an experience I had about 15 years ago. I attended a workshop um, that, was, uh, that offered a Native American ceremony for that, to, to recall your soul. And I don't remember who offered it. Uh, the guy was really pretty famous at the time, but it's been 15 years, so, you know. Anyway, he did this in the, he, the this ceremony was performed in the autumn, and I'm assuming that this was, you know, it was harvest time, right? So call the parts of your soul that you've given away back. And it stuck with me because I hadn't really thought about how much I gave myself away. But the idea stayed, and after my attempts at going with mind, mainstream mindfulness, I came back to this idea for this very reason. And while the good news is, is that we are naturally distracted, the challenge is that we also give, away our, give ourselves away energetically more ways than we realize, and more often than we realize. It's not only that our attention scatters, it is our energies. Each time we become involved in something, positive or negative, we give our attention, and with our attention goes our energy, and that is not just in the physical sense. We infuse our activities with our essence. Everything we do, we can't help it, we just do that. It's like we say, those cookies were made with love. I've even had people say, I infused whatever, whatever they had baked, I've infused this with love. That house was built with joy. This altar is infused with Patty's enthusiasm and creativity. It is a fact that each one of us and every action we make is infused with our essence. And we recognize a person's style or imprint in everything that we do. We see the joy, we see the apathy, we see the love, the anger, in the result of another's creations. And everything is a creation, whether it's physical or circumstances, they're all created. And we imprint ourselves on every one of them. And we can't keep from doing this. And since it's the nature of things, worrying about it or feeling badly or trying overly hard not to be this way is not productive or something to worry about, unless. Unless we find that we have given parts of ourselves away and we feel pulled in different directions and feel like something or a part of us is missing. We feel scattered because energetically, we really are scattered. There are parts of our energy fields that are away from us. 
You know, perhaps we've been in a relationship that drained us in some way. One where we gave so much of ourselves without, uh, so much of ourselves to without reciprocation. An energetic part of us is absent. If we are still fixated on something that happened in the past, even if our consciousness isn't, conscious attention isn't looking that way, we still have energy dedicated to that person or circumstance or event. And again, it can be positive or negative. We get caught in both. We may still be frustrated about something or someone, or we may have had such a wonderful experience, we prefer to spend time back there. And we're giving our, our energy and ourselves to that. I mean, think about a couple newly in love. They are so out of their minds that, that they give everything away for a while. They infuse each other with their essences, and it's almost impossible for them to be present. While everybody around them is saying, please pull yourself back together. <laughs> we love that you're in love. Please go over there. <laughs> See, and then we even have a vocabulary for this. I'm in pieces. I gave them a piece of my mind. You really did. You actually gave them a piece of your mind. I lost everything. Even if there's no material loss, you can still feel like you've lost everything. You've lost yourself. I need to pull myself together. All, again, again, all of this is natural. And it isn't good for us to give ourselves away. We need to discover how to come home to our true selves. Our true selves only know about today. That's all they know. Each time I stray from being my true self, I'm not in the now. I am not present. An example is, say, this talk. Now, after the service is over, I'll I will get feedback, and then I will think about probably the what, you know, what I could have said, what I, what I stumbled over, or you know, what I left out, what I could have phrased better. And that's a, you know, a good exercise. You kind of just do a little debrief. But if I'm still going on about this to myself on Tuesday, I need to gather myself back up, because that means if I'm still going on at that, that means I have given up a lot of my energy and myself to 20 minutes out of my entire life. I need to return to today so I can move on to the next podcast or talk or discussion. I need all of me to do that. You need all of you to do what you do. Does this make any sense? Okay. So, if you were to take your own inventory, what would you discover? Where are you still invested in things that offer no dividends? What do you think about that makes your stomach hurt? What happy thing pulls you back, pulls on you so much that you lose track of today? You know, why are you so attached to that particular happy? Is it because you're afraid that that's the only happy you'll ever have? Memories are wonderful. We need memory. We need memory. We couldn't get home without memory today or find our glasses. <laughs> we, we need memory. But it's when we are run by the memories that we and when we have given our essence to them so that they pull on us and they run us. It's really about balance. In today's world, there is so much chaos on so many levels what do you think happens to our essence? What do we infuse? What takes hold of us and binds us? Each one of us 
have our own dynamic, our own relationship with the energies of the world. Whatever that dynamic is, it is important that we find ways to pull ourselves, and I'm talking the capital S selves, together as often as we can. Mindful practice is helpful, but first we need to reclaim ourselves. If I do a mindful practice, but half of me is still out attending to all these other things in the world, it's not going to be as effective, and so we need to come home to our body temple. And there's a, many ways to do this. Some of these things are written in books. Some of you can discover them yourselves. There's, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of meditations that you could you know, get on Apple Music or whatever to do this. And of course, I have some suggestions. <laughs> Now, the first one is just simple meditation, just to get yourself quiet and center in and, you know, somehow try to, to get to your inner self. But it's actually more effective to do a, a little kind of a, a, a conscious process of calling back your essence. And so you would go into meditation and go as deep as you can and imagine your soul. Now, not everybody visualizes, so you might have to talk yourself through this, but just go in and, 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 and do the work of discovering, okay, here's how I feel, and where do I feel like I've actually given myself away? And then just affirm that all parts of your essence return to you. Call them back however you want. You know, uh, I am now whole. Whatever works for you, call them back. Call them to you now. And then imagine strands of light streaming into you, making you energetically whole, spiritually whole, cosmically whole. Your entire soul is back with you. And there are many, many ways to do this, and I encourage you to discover what works for you and do this a couple of times a year. Now, once you've done your calling and you've, you've, you've brought as much of yourself back as you can, you'll want to maintain that presence the, the presence of your essence as much as possible. And I've discovered a couple of ways to do this. And this one is just, to me, the coolest thing I've ever discovered in my life. And I realized one day that I rarely would listen to a piece of music to the very end. This is probably a habit formed. I mean, those of us who are a tad older listen to the radio, like when we were teenagers, and they never, you never listen to the end of a song, right? They, the song would come, you'd hear the last of the lyrics, and they'd, the DJ would be on hyping the next thing, whatever. And I realized that I just didn't listen to the end of songs. And I wondered what I was missing. So I very consciously active actively started listening to a song, like on my computer, to the very, very last note, until there was no vibration, there was nothing. It was just silence. And I have to tell you, this took some patience. It, it really did, because I was so used to, oh, the song's over, I heard the last word. And, but I, I stayed with it, because I thought it was in such an interesting experiment. And I, all, and I realized that as, as the song was starting to end, and I'm, I've been doing this for a while, and I'll still go, oh, I want to shift my attention, and I make myself come back and listen. And I keep doing it, and I have to tell you, it is weirdly satisfying and grounding. So if you're feeling scattered and find a moment to listen to a piece of music, and it's even better if it's like one of your favorite pieces, and listen to it to the very end until there is silence, it will bring you home. 
And then finally, here's another quicker, quick way to gather yourself, and this can be done in any circumstance. Now, when you first started, um, the way I'm going to tell you about it is that you, you would be saying something out loud. And when I first started this um, many, many, many years ago, I would just hit, hit the restroom and go into a stall and do it. But, you know, you would find your way to do it. And it was really simply put your hand over your heart and say your name three times. Now, I would say, I am Deborah, I am Deborah. I am Deborah. You would not say the Deborah part. <laughs> and you can just, you know, and, and when you do that, it's amazing how quickly it will help you bring your back to yourself. And another part of this is that if, if you're the kind of person who feels uneasy about something and you can't figure out where it is, you can add to that and say, once you say your name three times, you can say, and if this, if this energy isn't mine, please take it from me. That's another thing to add on to it. But just the first part, saying your name three times, after you've done it for a little bit, you get to where you don't have to say your name out loud anymore. It's, it's just like it's sort of training yourself. So you don't have to say it um, out loud anymore. And then at some point, you probably get to the place where all you have to do is put your hand on your heart once you've, once you've made it a practice. It's quick, it works really well, and um, nobody really knows what you're doing. No, nobody knows that you're probably falling apart here, but hey, I... You know. <laughs> so I would just like to say, call yourself home. Be home as much as you can. You know, as the song says, I am divinely defined. I am the God on the inside. I am a star, a piece of light. Of it all, I am light. You are divinely defined. You are the God on the inside. You are a star, a piece of it all. You are light. We are divinity defined. We are the God on the inside. We are a star, a piece of it all. We are light. Gather your light. Be who you came here to be. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center